On today's episode of Locked on Suns, Bradley Beal goes off in his return to Washington, D.C. What would the Suns be looking at with Miles Bridges, the player? And what are the future considerations the Suns have to consider at the NBA trade deadline this week? You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team Every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at Suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen post game. After a big Suns win, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm recording as the game wraps up. The Suns are up 32. Thank you for being here to get all you need to know about a game. I honestly hope you skipped, but we have much more to talk about beyond the game. It is trade deadline week, so again, thank you for being here. We're free and available everywhere, including YouTube. So hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're finding us on. Become an everydayer. You might just be here for trade deadline. Stick around. There's shows for you every single Monday through Friday, helping you get locked on to the Phoenix Suns all season long and into the distant future. We don't stop when the last game buzzer sounds. We are here for you all the time. Today's show brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. More from LinkedIn later on in the show, but let's go with this game. 43 points for Beal, 16 of 21 from the field, 6 assists. It's easy to say, this is the type of game Beal has to have for the Suns to hit their ceiling. And, duh, right? Obviously, you could say that about any of the big three on any given night. What I will say about this game that was especially impressive as we look at what it means, right? Not just, okay, great. Yeah, he was in his bag, right? Pull-up mid-range jumper after pull-up mid-range jumper. Getting to the basket. Hitting threes. All of it. And that's great. But it's not just how you want him to play because he played well. It's the mentality. And of course, it helps that it happened on his return to Washington. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. How, how could it be, right? Frank Vogel postgame or when Beal checked out for the final time, giving him you know, a long embrace and telling the courtside fans to give him an applause. I thought that was kind of funny. So of course, this one mattered more. And it probably is why he came out hot. But... The style he played with is, is what the Suns are going to need, even if the points aren't, aren't always there, right? What he did is he hunted his own shot, he created his own shot, and he attacked mismatches. And for him to at least have spurts of games, or if you look forward into the postseason, ideally series, you want him to have moments like this where he is able to have a run that just he sets up for himself, just purely 
Bradley Beal went off for five minutes should be one of the ingredients the Suns have at their disposal in a postseason situation, in a big game situation. And it's not going to happen unless his mindset is like this. This is not criticism of him. This is, it's a few things, right? It's showing that he still has it this game because the last time he scored 40 plus was with the Lakers and it was really scoring off of Durant in a lot of ways throughout that game. So for him to show that he can do it himself and kind of show us classic Brad Beal again, that's one part. The other part is to identify, look, it's not easy here with this balance, right? Because, you know, Book was out of rhythm because of his foul trouble again. Durant got his, and if there was a fourth quarter where these guys had to play, you would think Durant gets to 20, 25 points. But it's hard to just say, all right, each guy gets 30, because it just doesn't really work that way. So this game showed that Beal can still do this, which no one doubted, but it's a good reminder. And looking forward, it's about how can he capture the mindset and the style that he came to this game with, maybe because it was his return game, maybe it was just a good one. How can he channel that when maybe it's not an opportunity for him for a whole game, but can he do it for a quarter? Can he do it for a half? Because that can change things for the Suns. I hope it can happen. We'll monitor it, of course. The other thing I want to point out, though, is the nature of this game, setting aside the history that he has with the Wizards, of course. But Beal in particular, doing this, after a few bad games with this mask, is also important. Because... It's easy to overlook when Beal is 3 of 8 against Brooklyn, 8 of 21 against Miami in wins. But when it's 4 of 13 against the Magic or 5 of 16 against the Hawks in losses on the road, it's not as overlookable. And so I saw a lot of fans frustrated with him coming off of that Hawks game. And rightly so. I would point out he had 10 assists in that game. But to me, the other part of the turnover... I jumped in front of myself there. The other part of Beal's struggles lately have been the turnover. So for him to only have two on top of scoring so efficiently is extra impressive. But my point is the bounce back. It shows an impressive level of poise to not let a rut be prolonged. That is in and of itself a sort of proof of Beal's star stuff, right? If the Suns, for instance, and I'm not trying to do the whole should they have made these trades and all that, but just for the point of comparison, especially because the Suns played the Wizards today where Landry Shamit still plays, let's just use him as an example. He was in the deal Imagine if the Suns still had Shamit, right? 
as maybe even a starter on this team. If Shamit had had two games back-to-back like Beal just had, where he went a combined one of ten from the field, or even three games if you want to extend it back there, sub-40% shooting in all three, two of nine, one of three, O of seven from deep, that can turn into weeks for a lot of players. For Beal, he just flipped the switch, basically, decided to be a little bit more aggressive, and things turned around. That's how the Suns have been, too, is what's important to note, right? It's not just, oh, wow, Beal, cool, star. That matters. It shows the way that this Suns team can overcome some bad performances, but the reality is they've actually been doing that all season. They At least, let's say, during this stretch with all the guys healthy. So, the Mavs game on Christmas. Pretty rough loss, right? Especially coming off of a Kings game the Friday before that. It was also a double-digit loss. And even the Blazers before that. Three in a row. Pretty ugly. What do they do? They go to the road in Houston two days later, and they stomp the Rockets, who are a pretty solid team. They lose to the Clippers in a pretty ugly one on Monday, January 8th, second night of a back-to-back, that ugly Grizzlies home loss, but then really bad Clippers loss by 27 points. What do they do? They come out and they stomp the Lakers by 18. You have the Magic game on this road trip where they really didn't stand a chance and were just outplayed by a younger team without a lot of offensive firepower. What do they do? They go into Miami and they stomp the Heat on the second night of a back-to-back on the road. I know it's short travel from Orlando to Miami, but I'm counting it. And then this one, you lose by nine to the Hawks in a game that you really never had control of, and what do you do? You enter the Wizards building and you take care of business. So that's why this game matters. Beal's having basically an identical season to what he's had the past couple of years. He's, you know, the the productivity, right, the points per game and stuff isn't going to be as high, but efficiency-wise, everything else... He's maybe not drawing as many fouls. He's not doing some of the stuff you do when the ball is in your hands all the time. But everything is there except for the three-point shot. That's the last thing I guess I should mention. Four of five today, aggressive. I think there is an adjustment period from taking pull-up threes all the time when you're basically playing point guard for Washington to, even if they're wide open, needing to pull that trigger from deep on the catch. Let's hope this game, even though it was a lot of pull-ups in this one too, can get him going there. And then really you're looking at a, a, a an NBA, an all-NBA, all-star type of efficiency season from Beal in line with his best years. And this game could be a jumping off point for that. Next, Miles Bridges, the player. You heard my thoughts on the legal situation, the ramifications of trading for him, the contract stuff and all that. Let's talk about him on the court as well, heading into a week where the Suns very well may trade for Miles Bridges. We'll do that next. First, today's show brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring as a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for your role. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you do that. 
LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help the right professionals for your team help find them for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn Jobs isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. All that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have so many quality candidates like you do at Indeed. So easy that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate applying to their position within 24 hours. I got my current day job via LinkedIn. Not a big company, not a huge following on LinkedIn, but I happened to find it in my searches. It came up, I applied, I was able to find who the hiring managers were and everything else, and it really, really paid off. LinkedIn knows small businesses are wearing so many hats that they might not have the resources. They're constantly finding ways to make the process easier, including an AI-powered uh, job description writer, as well as much, much more. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show also brought to you by BetterHelp, who are making therapy more accessible for everybody. And look, it's that time of year where there's a lot of focus on what we can be changing, what we can be getting better at, and sometimes really all you need is to double down on what you're already great at. And sometimes we all need the opportunity to just get things off of our chest as well. Big or small, some things can just get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased about your life, not a friend or a family member who might be involved in what you're thinking about, but somebody completely separate. Again, it does not have to be something traumatic, right? doesn't have to be something intense. can just be what's going on in your life that's changing, a part of you that you want to bring out more. Therapy can be different for everybody. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team, and it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first Month, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Let's keep it rolling here. Talk about Miles Bridges as a player. All right. Before we get into that, I want to remind everybody to sign up for Locked On Suns Insider Text Alerts. So I go online and look at everything going on with the Suns so you do not have to. News, rumors, podcast interview summaries. I send all of it straight to your phone if you sign up at Locked on Suns Insiders. You can also respond to me, get exclusive content and observations on game days and more. Q&As, giveaways to come as we get more and more subscribers over there. So visit joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Suns to sign up or click the link down below wherever you're finding the show, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever. Click that and it'll take you right to the page. Mikhail, uh, Mikhail Miles Bridges. You guys know how I feel about the off-court issues, the off-court situation. And I don't think that it's possible to, to just fully separate the two. But because I have not weighed in on what he would bring to the team as a player, I wanted to give my analysis there as well. Bridges is on a one-year qualifying offer contract way below market value because he was suspended for 
domestic abuse charges and a plea deal that he took, acknowledging, you know, um, settling the criminal charges rather than, you know, going through a trial and all that. So he's on this very bargain deal. He is also very young, you know, obviously, because he just came off of his rookie contract. He's only 25, going to be 26. He did spend two years in college, so he's a little bit older. But here's my thing with Bridges. He's on a bad team. Those types of players are hard to measure, hard to evaluate. There's been one year in his career where the Hornets were at least a respectable team. That was the one full season that happened during COVID when the Suns made the finals. The team was 33-39. and 39. Actually, that's not true. This season happened to be his best, but it was actually the, the next year where they were above 500. But either way, they made the play-in game both seasons. The point I wanted to make about the 2020-2021 season, which was his best in terms of impact and efficiency and winning basketball, is that it happened where he ended up actually taking a little bit of a back seat. He tallied up more blocks. He had a lower usage rate and took fewer shot attempts and took more of his shots from three rather than from other spots on the court. Played more like a role player, right? And on that year's team, you had a healthy Terry Rozier. You had a healthy-ish LaMelo Ball. You had role players like the Martin Twins and Jalen McDaniels who provided some wing depth. You had Malik Monk on that team. P.J. Washington with a... Uh, a pretty efficient season, and then some veteran centers, Cody Zeller, Bismack Biombo. So a little more structure. And Bridges was able to thrive. But the biggest thing is he made his threes. And I think that's kind of where you have to start. He's a career 34.8% three-point shooter, which when I've posted guys like Jayshon Tate or DeLon Wright as options for the Suns who would bring a little bit more three and D intensity to this team, people say, well, they're not good enough shooters. Miles Bridges is not a good enough shooter either. If that's, you know, if you're just kind of looking at the year to year for him, he takes a lot. So maybe you would say if he's taking fewer and obviously on a good team, again, that makes it hard to evaluate because it's been on a bad team. Maybe if he takes fewer and takes wide open threes, I'm not saying it's hopeless, but I'm just saying he's been in the league for four He's been in the league for five seasons now, played five seasons. He's been in the league for six. And the reality is that he just has not consistently knocked down those shots. So that's one thing. This season, again, uh, higher usage than ever before, below average true shooting efficiency. He's just, the the, the Hornets are a, are a, a hopeless team right now. But, the numbers don't love him, right? He And not just from those standpoints, but how he's getting the job done either. 
He's leaning a lot on mid-range shots, taking more mid-rangers than ever before. He's not really a guy that gets to the line all that often. And he was an elite finisher previously, but this year, even that has sort of gone away. Now, there's rust. Again, this is part of why you cannot separate the recent history for him from what it would mean to trade for him, the on-court, whatever. But again, we're leaving that a little bit to the side for right now. Obviously, there are reasons for some of this because he was away from basketball for a while, but that doesn't change the reality, which is you're not trading for him to develop him. You're trading for anybody that the Suns would want to acquire this week. It's to get better right now and turbocharge their team for the stretch run of the season. Which brings me to what he could be on this team. He's mostly a play finisher on offense. Always has been. He is not a shot creator. He is not somebody you just dump the ball to to get buckets. Even though he can score, it's off of other guys. It's off of P.J. Washington, Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, etc. Gordon, Gordon Hayward, right? And that's what the Suns need. So that's good. It's not another guy you wanna, you need to feed, necessarily, in the way of soaking up possessions. On the defensive end, though, I don't love the fit at all. I'm just going to say that. He is more of a, he, he brings size. Okay, that's good. The Suns need to get bigger because none of their forwards have really worked out when you're talking about Metu, Bates-Diop, Little, etc. And Little would probably be going out in this trade because the salary, it has to be him, basically. But they need size, and he brings that. But he's really a team defender. He's not this type of lateral athlete, if you understand where I'm going with that. right? He can leap and dunk and run fast. He's an athlete in that sense. He's not a great athlete when it comes to you know, getting in a deep defensive stance and, and slithering around screens and you know, bodying guys in the post or weak side rim protection. I'm not saying he can never be that, but his, his, the way he moves on the court is not naturally like that type of really, really difference-making defender, and he hasn't really shown that level of impact on that end in the NBA. So to me, Miles Bridges, even if the talent is clearly far and away and the upside is clearly far and away as he starts to enter his prime here, better than any player that the Suns could get. He's really an upgrade over Gordon and Grayson Allen to me than he is somebody who is filling a son's need. I think of him more as a four. Kevin Durant is a four. Eric Gordon really defensively is a four. He, he doesn't defend small guys very well. Grayson Allen, okay, he's a guard. So maybe it's an upgrade over Gordon, you would say. That's what Bridges is. And you can play them together, but the point is the Suns need the Suns need a better Nasir Little. The Suns need a better Kata Bates Diop. I don't really know if they need a better Eric Gordon. They have that already. They have a lot of guys like that already. Let's close the show talking through four future considerations the Suns need to consider 
at the NBA trade deadline. First, today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook and the official sportsbook partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is about getting the best snacks at the table and grabbing your best seat in the house and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. While you're relaxed, while you're having fun, you can get it on the action. Not only can you bet who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many total points will be scored, and much more. Here's the deal. Uh, there's a lot of games people like to play on Super Bowl Sunday, but when there's children involved, there's alcohol involved, you know, things can go awry. The thing I love about FanDuel is I can just slip into the app, find parlays, find uh, sponsored bets, find all sorts of different things, have a little bit of fun, feel like I'm involved, but not have to deal with the nonsense with everybody else, right? New customers join today. You get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, let's close it out. I have four, <coughs> excuse me, four things for you that I think the Suns are thinking about that might not be getting a lot of attention that have to do with the future beyond this week, but that will affect what they do this week at the deadline. Okay. So I'll give you the first example. So you know what I mean? That was Siri on my watch who was listening to my recording. Grayson Allen will be a free agent this summer. Okay. That's number one. The reason I bring it up is not because I think, oh, the Suns are going to trade Grayson Allen to avoid having to pay him. No, they're going to keep him. Unless they're upgrading from him, which I still think is a long shot because of how valuable he's been earning that fifth starter spot. I mean, you would have to be getting like a, a bonafide starter type of guy. I just don't think that trade is out there. Rather, why I bring him up is I think he's in line for a 15 to $20 million salary this upcoming summer. I would imagine that the Suns want to be the team to give him that contract, as expensive as that will become. His cap hold is $17 million. <clears throat> so let's just say it's 17. I would think that they go shorter on that, right? Maybe a one one-year deal with a player option for year two that lines up with Durant's contract. I could see something like that. So maybe like 17 in year one and 19 in year two, a two-year $36 million contract or something like that. The reason I bring it up, even though I don't expect them to trade him, is that means the team gets very expensive. So if they trade Nasir Little... If they trade somebody into a traded player exception, I would imagine that player will be a rental. There's only so many players you can plan to pay in one summer, and Grayson Allen seems to be the one guy. 
The Suns will also be one step closer to Nur- Yusuf Nurkic being expiring, which is still two years away, so don't get your hopes up there. But that would set them up to have Grayson Allen as an expiring contract next summer, which can have some trade value, and then Yusuf Nurkic the following summer. But I wouldn't be surprised as we move to future consideration number two, which relates to Nasir Little, if a trade for him ends up being for somebody, yes, like a Miles Bridges from a contract standpoint because he's on a one-year deal. I would guess, with Bridges specifically, if the Suns are acquiring him, their intention would be to keep him beyond this year. But there's other guys who that might not be the case for. DeLon Wright. I know he didn't look great today if you're watching the Suns-Wizards game. Maybe that's just not worth it. But as another example, his contract is expiring. So you're taking this year little you are turning him into somebody with only this year left on their contract. And if you don't keep that player, then little slot can then turn into a minimum contract, right? So you go from, you save a little bit of money there, turning a $7 million player in little into a $3 million player. And that's not the difference between Grayson Allen's contract. You're going to have to just eat it a little bit if you pay Grayson, but that can be one way they, that they save it. The other thing with Nasir Little, though, this is kind of a two-in-one that you have to be thinking about right now if you're the Suns, is can you get more for him now on heading into the deadline? Or if nothing great materializes, what can you get for him on draft night? Because again, he is really the only medium salary that the Suns have that's going to have value. They don't want to trade Grayson. On draft night, they won't really be able to trade Grayson very easily because he will be a free agent. And Nurkic, I don't think, is really a tradable player right now. I don't think any team would take him. Just from a contract standpoint, he's he's under contract for so long. He's very expensive for what he is. So it has to be Nasir Little. If you trade Nasir Little now... Obviously, it makes your team better. It gives you a better chance at a title. But it means that on draft night and over the summer, you don't have a lot to trade at all. You think they don't have a lot now. They really won't have a lot then, especially with the new rules where this deadline is the last year that the Suns can take back more salary than they bring in. So I'll be very interested once we know if they traded little and if and what for, if they do, what that will what that will look like for the expiring versus not expiring standpoint, as well as how it impacts what they can do on draft night. Because they'll have their first round pick. So you can attach little plus a first to something versus now it's little plus a few seconds. The Suns will actually also have a pretty good first round pick this year. If they stay sort of in the middle of the West, they'll be in like the early 20s. That's not a bad pick. They could take a player, which would be nice. But time will tell. That brings us to the next one, which is that the Dario Sharage traded player exception, which is the bigger of the two, expires this week. But the campaign traded player exception lasts through the summer transaction cycle. So that could be one more thing 
one more option for the Suns to use on draft night would be to dangle the first round pick plus that TPE and get somebody into it. The main point is, don't be surprised if they don't both get used. One, traded player exceptions are hard to hard to use because the, it has to be the exact right salary. The other team has to be willing to play ball and take back maybe not a player and just get picks, whatever the case may be. So the Suns might only use one. And then the last thing is not super important, but if the Suns do end up trading any of their minimum players just from a roster spot standpoint or anything else, you have to think about which ones do you want to get rid of. I think Kogi is a no-go, Gordon is a no-go because those guys are in the rotation right now. But everybody has a player option next year besides Metu and Bull Bull. I doubt they would trade Bull because, again, he's playing. He has the most upside. I would think Metu is the most likely because they haven't gotten a lot out of him and he can just leave in the summer if he wants to. I mean, everybody can leave in the summer if they want to, but it's even easier because there's no option for him. But the other part is you can give these guys a raise if you want, if you keep them longer. So I would think maybe somebody like Eubanks or Bates Diop who has played a little bit, you might want to have them on a bigger salary in the future. You might want to keep developing them. Those negotiations might matter, but that's my list. That is what I think the Suns need to keep track of looking toward the future at trade deadline day. That will wrap us up a show with Brandon Duenas looking at the latest rumors. Who knows? There's usually a trade Monday, so I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. In the meantime, enjoy your Monday and we will catch you guys tomorrow.